Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here for our Thursday edition. Outkick 360, Hutton Withrow with you. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Headlines coming up. Right now, we kick off the hour. Bobby Carpenter joins us, SiriusXM College football analyst. Joins us weekly. Bobby, good to see you, man. Hey, great to see you guys. NFL Combine next week. What do you remember about yours? Oh, goodness. Um... Well, anybody that's been in there, and I guess, you know, it's even outside like the media, and they've changed it up. They used to always have it at the train station. I, I think it is still there, and I don't know if they've renovated the hotel. But one of the more memorable aspects of it is the rooms are all around looking at like a courtyard inside. They've got a pool in the middle. And so it's basically like akin to speed dating. I get there at the beginning of the week. I didn't, I was hurt, so I couldn't play in the senior bowl. And they give you, your schedule from basically 8 to 11, and they have 20-minute blocks, I believe. So there's three blocks an hour where teams get to meet with you, and they have some sort of like high-level logistics scheduling this thing because I had – there's an opportunity, I think, whatever you have, so many a day. I ended up meeting with like 26 of the 32 teams, and I, I think I basically had blocks filled out almost every one of them. I mean, one day I think I had one or two off. The, you're Phil. So you literally go into a room, you meet with the team, they give you a bag, they give you some gear. Sometimes you watch some film, they ask a variety of questions. Sometimes they'll get you on the board. Sometimes they try to make you uncomfortable. Sometimes it may just be a position coach and maybe a coordinator. Other times it's like head coach, trainer, maybe owner, maybe GM, ton of scouts. Some of them videotape it. Some of them don't. I mean, it's just, it's a wide variety of what you're going to get. And then as soon as it's done, it's like horn goes off. They come and kind of shepherd you out. And another team is there, if you have another meeting, waiting to take you to that next one. So you're kind of like saying, bye, you know, it's the Raiders. See you. Hey, you know, the Redskins are taking you to this next one. And they've got their, you know, uh, low-level scout who's going to kind of shepherd you to that their deal in the next 20 minutes. So I'll never forget, you know, they tell you to dress, dress appropriately. Like it's a business interview. So I brought – like sport coats, I think, and like maybe a suit to wear, you know, and dress, dress for the job. And so I got dressed up and there was a guy there who, I can't even remember who, what his name was for the love of me, but um, he was walking out. Like I said, there's a big pool in the middle and it's like a big circle and they all face it. And he's like walking and talking to the room that he just left, thinking he's walking somewhere else and just everyone just freezing as he walks straight into the pool, like head over the shoulder and goes down. Dude's all suited up. He's got his bags on. And it was like early in the night. It starts at eight. It goes to 11. It was like eight, eight, the eight forty block. It wasn't even nine yet. And I'm like, you got to go to your next interview soaking wet in a suit that has to be miserable. And like that image will ever be forever be burned into my mind. Cause he was only like two rooms down. So I got a nice crisp view of him falling in the pool. Scenarios are different, but they are they pretty much asking you the same questions at every stop? You know, 
It depends. Like it depends on how well they know you. And my situation was a little unique. I mean, my dad played in the NFL. And so there was a number of coaches that either played with him or had coached him before, you know, knew him pretty well. And so some of those guys obviously knew me. I had some friends like Mike Vrabel was with the Patriots at the time. Belichick's the coach. And so I go in there, like Pioli, all those guys, they knew everything about me to start out. And so they're like making jokes about some of the stuff that other teams are like asking serious questions on, like character concerns, because, you know, I used to mess around and, you know, college meetings, you have boring, these thinking compliance meetings, which like they don't even have anymore because there's no rules. <laughs> but you, know, you sit there in camp and, Two hours, they talk, ask you to sign, you know, 10 pieces of paper, 15 pieces of paper, basically all asking in a way, do you gamble on sports? Are you tied into gamblers? Do you take money? Like, if you say check yes, then, like, fill out the paper and, like, then we have to talk or everyone just checks no and you go on. And so these meetings were arduous. My senior year, I would draw little phallic symbols on it and just mess around with it. You have to turn those in the NCAA. And so it kind of became a thing. I had to go meet with the AD again. and. Why do you do this? You have a problem. It was a mess. It's like there were teams like legitimately red the Cincinnati Bengals, and this is uh, this is why I always think this organization is incredibly dysfunctional. I mean, I I was a business major, economics major, at Ohio State. I I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I do okay. I mean, I'd never been arrested, never really gotten in any type of trouble. I was National Honor Society in high school, played a bunch of sports. I kind of like. I have a two-parent household. There's a lot of things that are very positive about me. And for some reason, the Bengals, it was like close to home, so they knew about that. They red-flagged me as a character concern. And my agent's like, what is this for? And I told him, he goes, are you serious? I'm like, he goes, they they drafted Chris Henry and like Pac-Man Jones and and dudes like that. And he's like, they're going to red-flag you. I'm like, I don't know. That's just kind of how it was. So they ask different questions. Some of the things go around and and there's teams that really grill you, especially if they think you have a short fuse or there are some character issues. And everybody gets upset about it. I remember, you know, the Desmond uh, Bryant, uh, Des Bryant situation where, you know, the act talked about his mom and basically insinuating, you know, was she a prostitute and different things. And, you know, is that out of bounds? Maybe, probably. Like you're going to give a young man, you know, 15 to $20 million and you're going to, put a draft capital in on him and, you know, expect him to, you know, handle your franchise. And everybody gets so offended by those questions. And I'm like, I understand they might be out of bounds. There's a good chance there are no other line of work. Would you have those questions be asked? However, the people that get offended on about it are the same people that I'd look up in the stands that like basically had an FBA, FBI dossier on players and they're sitting there bringing up things about your mom, saying terrible stuff, racial things, all kinds of stuff that's yelled down at players. And I tell people, that's the reason why the GMs have to ask these questions, because they can't have you turning during a game and yelling back at fans just because they hit a personal mm-hmm. nerve and maybe you just had dropped a pass or missed a tackle. Like So they have to make sure that you're psychologically able to handle that and you're not going to go into full meltdown mode. And so is it fair to ask him? No. But the same people who complain about the questions being asked are the reason why those questions have to be asked in the first place. Similar psych eval to what you had to go through after drawing the phallic symbols on the notebook uh, that you were forced to go through, I'm sure, after that happened. Bobby Carpenter, our guest (laughs) on Outkick 360. Bobby, you talked about a two-parent household and reminded me 
of Deion Sanders' comments uh, with Rich Eisen where he was going through different positional things he's looking for at Colorado, and he said, with quarterback, I'm looking for two-parent households, GPA over 3.5, all these other things, and then kind of joked, but not really. He said, you know, with a defensive lineman, I'm looking for the exact opposite. I'm looking for someone who's been in trouble. I'm looking for someone from a single-parent household, and, you know, everyone kind of laughed. Coach Prime can get away with saying those things. I know you know and we know th- these are things coaches have said for a long time, but most probably wouldn't say them in public. Um, how prevalent is that, though, in terms of positional awareness and what type of person you're looking for at different positions in football at the college level? Well, I think your quarterback, you know, obviously that guy's a leader, so you want to make sure he checks all those boxes. And by the way, when I went into the Patriots, they asked me to go up and draw some of the pictures on the board that, hey, what do you want me, like our defense? Like, no, 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 draw some of the stuff that I heard your artistic work, you know, from the papers. (laughs) Scott always said, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, man. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, I'm really entertained by this. I thought it was like a a joke. Like, they're going to kill me. Yeah, look how uh, terrible, man. Look at Bobby's combine picture right here. Yeah. Fit 255, you know, nice and nice and heavy. But um, (laughs) I, I will say this. Cause this goes into like recruiting. When you talk about colleges, it's the same thing. Like, especially a quarterback, you're going to need a certain type of guy. My agent told me, he goes, don't score too well on the wonder lick. He goes, try to be in the twenties, low thirties if possible. He's like, you don't need to be out there getting, you know, 40 on the wonder lick or 42. Cause they already think you're too smart and too much of a smart ass sometimes. So you don't want to enhance that. Just be in the box, like be at wow. the high end, but be in the range, maybe just a little outside. Don't be an outlier. But I don't know if you necessarily need guys who are, you know, from the street or this and that, but you do need guys that have an edge. And sometimes that comes from a very, very difficult upbringing. And what's amazing, guys, and this is what's awesome about football is you have probably the most diverse workforce you're going to find as far as geography, um, you know, urban, suburban, rural, uh, different regions of the country, you know, as far as the mix of mostly and mostly people that are American and it's mostly black and white players, but you don't have a lot of foreign players, but as far as America, I mean, it makes up a pretty impressive subsection of the country at large and you need guys that have an edge. And what's remarkable is I played with dudes who came from great families who were as tough and as hard as you would ever find. I played with dudes who you had said came from some of the worst backgrounds in the world and it probably had a gun held to their head and they were soft and they would wilt under pressure, like, and everything in between. And so it, it, I, you would look at that and be like, man, this guy had a tough upbringing. He's going to be tough. Sometimes that's true. And sometimes it's not. You look at this guy. Hey, he came from a nice two parent home, lived in a half million dollar house, never has worked a day in his life. And that dude's the biggest grinder in the world and someone you would want in the, with you back to back in an alley. And then you see the reverse of that happen too. So it's, it's really more how the guy was raised and what inherent beliefs they have. And it's really, really tough to figure that out. So Bobby Carpenter, football fan, is who I'm asking this question to right now. Aaron Rodgers is now out of his hole, and he's going to make a decision on what he wants to do next. What does Bobby Carpenter, football fan, want Aaron Rodgers to decide and want to happen with his next step for your football fandom? I'm kind of torn with this because – I don't necessarily want to see him play for anybody but the Packers. I think it's such it's a great story where you can have somebody start their career at one place, 
behind a legend. Legend leaves. He takes over, goes there, wins, what, three, four MVPs. He's won a Super Bowl. It'd be great to see him stay there another couple of years, and maybe they get back to the Super Bowl. Like, that would be tremendous. I would love to see that. However, I don't know if that's the likelihood, likely scenario, and I would love to see him win. And probably the best place for Aaron Rodgers to ultimately win is not going to be in Green Bay. And it's going to depend on the draft capital and everything that comes back, how his contract looks. But, man, I think there's a great opportunity. For him with the Jets, I, I love it. Like, with what he'd be able to do, and I don't know if it feels a little too Brett Farvish, given the fact that that's where he went. You know, but they're set up to win. Like, I think Indianapolis has a pretty darn good team outside of the quarterback position. You know, there's two places right there. The problem is you're going to the AFC. If he really wanted to do it, he'd probably have to take a massive pay cut. Like, the New Orleans Saints, with the weapons they have and the defense they have and the division they're in, they'd probably win 13 or 14 games and probably be the one seed, given the fact that Tampa was able to win the division last year, sub like right at 500. So that would probably be it, but he would have to make major concessions in his contract if he wants to win. But I want to watch Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs one, one or two more times at least making a run. Bobby Carpenter, our guest. Bobby, uh, former Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud now, he – he said that fans would come up with creative ways to talk trash to him or to try to motivate him or let him know how they felt about his play. doesn't have social media, so they would get on Venmo and then send him a very small amount and then comment what they thought about his play. Even Buckeyes fans doing it, saying, hey, you know, pick up your game. You're, you're, you were awful in the second half against Michigan. You know, more choice and colorful words, I'm sure. Were there creative ways that you would hear fans talk trash to you? Would they dare do that? Well, uh, you know, it's a pretty impressive. I, I grew up, Facebook came out my junior year, I think. And that was when you had to be in college and you know, like yeah. university email. Same. Ohio State was one of the like first 10 schools to have it. But you had to go to your desktop computer. Like you couldn't just be idly sitting somewhere <laughs> with your phone, you know, and hop on. And so like, it takes little effort to do that now. And I would say we lost to Texas my senior year. We were up by six. Should have probably won the game. We missed a field goal. We dropped a touchdown in the end zone late. Um, a friend of mine, tight end Ryan Hamby, and it forever kind of changed his career and the quarterback that threw it to him, Justin Zwick, because Zwick and Troy Smith, who end up winning a Heisman, going back and forth. And if he completes that ball to Hamby in the end zone, he may end up being the starter, and who knows how the rest of the story goes. But I watched people, and it's a little bit like the Venmo, where you had to literally write, they would stay sent mail to the facility. Like, I hope you die. You ruined my life. All this terrible, these terrible things put postage on it, which was probably 40 cents at the time, like addressed it and sent it off. And I'm like, man, that takes a lot of effort. Like that's just not you being drunk after a game and hopping on your phone and, you know, sending 25 cents or a dollar or whatever. <laughs> you, know, you had to take work and effort and address something, put it in a mailbox and so people have always done this. Now that it's just so much easier because the vehicles we have to instantly access someone are much, much cleaner than, you know, U.S. mail, where you actually have to put some effort down and write something out and then probably not send it off till the next day, realizing that you shouldn't have done it at all. Well, then you uh, like fans are getting even more creative. The student that at Duke that catfished the guy at Louisville and then showed the on, messages on the DMs, printed it out on poster board and then behind the goal was holding it up. I mean, that's that's classic. That's creative. And apparently it doesn't take that long to pull off. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, as I said, I give people credit for that. 
I, a lot of respect for them putting the time, energy, and effort into doing that. <laughs> but then again, I go back to the combine. That that's also why we have to ask these questions yeah, to yeah. make sure that somebody doesn't run our test that situation <laughs> and walk up in there, grab the poster board, slam it over their head, and punch him in the face. Like that's the issue. Check out Bobby on Channel 84, Sirius XM, and of course on social at BCARP3. Always enjoy this, man. Thank you for the time. As always, hope the workouts are going well for the kids, and uh, we'll catch up soon. They're going great, guys. Combine week next week. I mean, hope springs eternal if your team was you know, not great last year, and that's what the NFL always loves selling this time of year is a big bag of hope in the draft. We also found out today that Bobby was essentially Jonah Hill's character in Superbad <laughs> with what he was drawing on his, his notebook. Bobby, thanks, I will, man. I will they were say, more, ab, more, more abstract sketches, yeah, guys. Not, not quite a specific, that Not a specific. Not, right, I got you. Yes, if so. I would have seen uh, a, a headshot from the media program throughout your career, and I saw that one, I'd be like, that's the only one that doesn't look like a first-round pick to me. <laughs> Maybe second, though. Thank you. Maybe second. All right. All right. Always the first one here. That, thank you, man. Appreciate you, as always. Bobby will join us uh, again uh, next week. Great as usual, great perspective, great storyteller too. Oh yeah, uh, behind the scenes. Hey, the uh, the live tour, mm-hmm. the golfers there. One of the bigger storylines going into twenty twenty three with the major championships, would the best golfers in the world be able to participate if they were part of the live tour? That is, in fact, going to happen. We knew Augusta National was going to allow them to play, and that is the case for the other three majors as well. Um, we are, you know, the PGA Championship is in question. However, their bylaws will allow them to play. And that is intriguing as we progress down the road. But we're going to see them at uh, the British Open. We will see them uh, at, at Augusta coming up in, what, a month? Two, yeah, a month and a half. Can't wait. But how quickly will that go away when they're not allowed to participate in any other tour events and not getting points on tour. Well, so because a lot of so this is holding qualify, over, I think, yeah. right. In terms of ranking. Sure. Yeah. In where the, they're qualified. Yeah. The world rankings, but the, you in your PGA tour card and all that, which must be the last year that happens. Will it be another year after this? There is a way that you can earn points on the, the Asia tour uh, as a professional golfer that will earn you points. And you know, of the eight events or however many they're adding now to the live tour moving forward, because they are adding some more events this year. Uh, you can earn points elsewhere on the Asia Tour, hypothetically, if they wanted to. Eventually, though, like if the goal is to have the best golfers in the world compete in the majors, and that's what like Augusta can allow, or anyone else that's not under the PGA purview, we will we will see the PGA come to bat too. I think at some point there will be some type of merger, some type of true, some type of agreement where I think we will see. Both brands have the ability to play in these tournaments. Um, not necessarily a live event, but the PGA at some point has got to figure out the money and disperse it properly and then figure out, okay, how do we make sure that the guys who should be in these tournaments that would qualify had they not left play? Not everyone is going to be top of mind, right? But as far as Brooks Kepka is concerned, and the report that he apparently wants to jump back in after restructuring his game last year in the Live Tour, making $8 million, by the way, to do it, and $100 million reportedly to jump ship and, and join them. Um, yeah, I mean, from the U.S. Open to the RNA, who's approved it for the Open, to Augusta National, and, and now the PGA of America, 
coming to the decision that you've got the opportunity to play in these majors. If you could play in the majors, shouldn't you be able to play in the Waste Management Open, for instance? Look, I'd love to see these guys that are stars play wherever because I like to watch stars and I like to watch golf. So I want to see them in as many tournaments as possible. But I would also ask the question, when will the PGA Tour really be compelled to merge in any way with the Live Tour? It's not affecting them right now at all. Now, when Tiger Woods is officially done and that brings down viewership some more, which helped the Genesis Invitational this weekend, when Rory McIlroy's not playing in as many tournaments, you know, four or five years from now, uh, does it get to a point where, or, you know, just another big player, uh, Greg Norman's talking about meeting with a major champion from last year in his home, you know, about joining the Live Tour. If another couple, if a couple more big names jump ship to the Live Tour, does that push them, compel them to merge in some way with the Live well, Tour to let guys play on the PGA Tour also? I, I don't think we're to the point yet where PGA has to do any business with the Live Tour. I do think we'll eventually get there. I just don't think we're there right now because I don't see how it's truly hurting their bottom line, their business yet. Will it? The Live Tour's already gotten more big names than I thought they would in the first year. If it continues, then I think, yeah, you're going to see a merger. Well, and you know where my perspective is. I, I'm tuned in to the four major championships. And if both tours are represented there, I'm, I'm a happy casual golf fan there. I'm the casual golf fan for a tournament that includes Tiger Woods. I don't need anyone else that's playing in that tournament if he's making the cut, quite frankly. That's the story for me. It was the story last week. I was more concerned with Tiger Woods, who was 16 shots off the lead, than John Rahm, who was running away with it at Riviera. Point being, I think the casual fan that's tuned in on the Sunday of the final round of Augusta National or who's going to win the U.S. Open or who's going to win... Uh, the British Open, what have you, they're going to be pleased here. And the question is, can the PGA grow stars and get your attention on the weekends where those guys aren't on the screen? And I think it'll be more of the same, honestly. So I don't know how much they actually lose, given the fact, I think both brands win here. And no one's really, it's not like I'm going to be able to find Live Tour all that easy, right? It's yeah. not as simple as going to YouTube. You got to figure out where the CW is now. Yeah, I just, it, uh, again, the Live Tour is doing their thing and throwing ungodly amounts of money at players. But I don't think it's affected it yet. I think when Tiger Woods is done, when others are taken by the Live Tour, it may compel the PGA to do something. PGA's fine right now. You know, they can stay mad at the Live Tour. They can stay mad at the guys who left and do whatever they want. Whether we agree with it or not, whether we want to see Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson in as many tour events as they can compete in, and doing that, that's what I want to see as a fan. But PGA can stay mad all they want until it affects their business. It hasn't affected their business yet. It might very soon, but not yet. Two stories invo involving big business when we return. The Orioles and the fact that apparently they're more concerned with booking concerts and selling concerts than they are the baseball product at Camden Yards. And Sports Illustrated, SI. Going to use artificial intelligence instead of humans to write pieces for their site. They're not going all in there, but they will be using the same technology we will. We will write for Sports Illustrated when we return on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Coming up, we will write for Sports Illustrated. This is unbelievable. In 60 seconds or so. Uh, write their article, I'm saying. Um, Chad, a terrible story that happened, what, 30 minutes down the road from where we sit right now, a, a volleyball player out of Smyrna. Um, yeah, it happened in St. Louis. Happened in yeah. St. Louis, but uh, she's from uh, Smyrna, Tennessee. Um, lost her legs in a car accident. Uh, the car was driven by an unlicensed driver who was violating parole. It was out on bond. And there's a GoFundMe set up for her and more, but just an awful set of uh, scenarios where he had violated the ankle bracelet multiple times. And for whatever reason... Um, those that were supposed to be monitoring this either didn't have the information or weren't paying attention to it. Yeah, the the ankle bracelet monitoring, I, I don't know, you know, how that works per se. But tragic, especially tragic, you know, it's it look, whoever hit the girl and caused this injury and this accident, it was gonna be tragic. But the circumstances surrounding who did it makes it even worse. Um, just really sad story. Yeah, the guy uh the 21-year-old who sped through the intersection and then hit the 16-year-old, uh, Janae Edmondson, and just playing in a volleyball tournament. Uh, thoughts out to her and the family. And, you know, this is a spot where this guy's got to... If you're violating your bracelet situation, you're out on bond based on uh, burglary or whatever it was, you've got... There needs to be a situation where a spot where he's back in behind bars and not doing this with the violations of the ankle monitor. Awful. There's no more bond, right? Like if you violate yeah. violating your parole, or you being out on bond and having an ankle bracelet on, and you've repeatedly violated that, and you don't have a license, and you drive a car, and you hit someone, especially a young person that's in town for a volleyball tournament, and injured them permanently this way, um, yeah, you're not you're not in a situation to get bonded out anymore. That that's the way this should work. St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported he had violated his bond at least seven times since February 1st. Again, thoughts with Janae Edmondson and her family. Um, so, Sports Illustrated, they're going all in on artificial intelligence, AI. Chad, this is a sign of our times. We, we've seen the era, I can't wait until we get you know 20 years from now and we'll see how we compare our conversation now to then. But we've seen the era of the local newspaper printing daily, right? In the 90s growing up as sports fans, printed we would, we would copies read, of the paper uh, the sports daily. Page. Starting out working, you I, would have, I was reading the sports page every day. You would constantly. have uh, beat writers, plural, for teams, working multiple papers, competing against each other for the top story. You flip to the front page or the sports page to find the top story. Now you get it on your phone immediately and the same person that's tweeting is also the same person that's writing that's also the same person that's posting a video and it's one guy doing everything yep. or is it moving forward 
Sports Illustrated is now going to use artificial intelligence through other companies to replace human writers. Uh, story now at outkick.com. Uh, their publisher, the Arena Group, announced that it's turning to artificial intelligence to not just pitch stories, but actually produce articles. And this is not difficult to do. In fact, at dinner late last week, we spent probably an hour, me, family, and friends, just doing exactly this and how quick and simple it would be for like a college student to produce a paper. Um, and one of them that they are going to lean on, the same type of technology, is ChatGPT, which is also known as OpenAI. This is the technology I was using on the phone. So I've set up the username and password. I gave it to Tyler and Brooke. And what we will do is write the recap story in 60 seconds. We'll pull it up right now. You go to the website, you'll sign in. We're just going to put in 500-word recap of... Alabama versus South Carolina game last night and hit enter. And we'll see what happens. This here. is from Chat GPT, and this is an app you downloaded, Hutton? It's a website. It's a website. It's a website you can go to and can, sign up for. You can tell it to do pretty much anything. And as we hit enter, we should be able to just watch it produce the article uh, here. So, and we've done this earlier today, and I'm not sure what's popping up there on the screen. But the, it does. You read it. You yeah. read the stats from this. No, it, it gave a full game recap. It started by saying, we are unable to write this, that you, what you have requested, article. a live article. A li of a live in-game performance. But what we can do is give you the most recent game between Alabama and South Carolina, and it goes into a full game recap that was right around the 500 words that you threw out. And it gave players from the game point totals, what happened at the end of the first half? What happened at the end of the game? What happened in overtime? It blows your mind when you see this happen in real time. And um, look, I'm one for... So here's the article. It's popping oh, it up comes. now live on the screen. I can't read it because it's too far away. But this is detailed information of last night's game. The game between Alabama and South Carolina was a thrilling matchup between two teams looking to make a late-season push. And then it goes through details about the game. Again, we don't have someone in our production crew back here writing this in real time. This is just us typing this in and it printing this out on the screen. And if you have, like, if they're working with this technology, they, this technology is just compiling information just like Google, but they're adding detail to it without much information needed. Copy, paste, post on the site. Outkick has 15 to 20 writers approximately constantly producing stories on a daily basis. And SI, through the Arena Group, is opting to allow a bot, artificial intelligence, to do the writing for them. It's, a, it's nuts to me. So, like, type in, uh, guys, if you don't mind, type in a poem on OutKick's Clay Travis. And the we'll find the detail that pops up from the poem. And the rhyming, Chad. I think also if you just give it a specific date, like I bet if you went in and said, you know, Super Bowl, February 12th, um, and put in the teams, then you would get back, you know, pretty quickly an article that I would write for you. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it blows my mind to see this. It's writing the poem right now, by the way. Here is what, you know, we probably see some of this also. Here's what I want, though. I want more people working jobs and not more robots working jobs. 
Call me old-fashioned with this. We have a lot of people who don't work right now. I want to open up more opportunities for humans to do jobs and not present opportunities for less humans to do a job, especially when it comes to sports media. So I hate this. I hate this for Sports Illustrated. I want humans writing stories. Now, what they're, what they're claiming is it's going to pull stories from the SI archives, but it's more than that. I mean, this, I don't, what we're doing can pull stuff from Sports Illustrated. It can pull stuff from Outkick, from foxnews.com, from foxsports.com. It's doing this the same way a Google would on a Google search. And instead of giving you a million different links to hit, it's compiling the information and writing the story for you. What would you have done if you had this in college? I would have probably. This is ba- we had cheated my notes. tail off. We had cliff uh, notes. Yeah, I would have. That's it. I would have partied even more and then gotten back and said, "Oh, I've got a book report due, or I've got a paper to write," and I would, you know, say some words into my phone, even my, you know, iPhone 7s over here, and it would have printed out a, a paper for me that would have been better probably than what I would have written. But again, I hate this on on its face because. I want more humans doing these jobs. I want more humans working in media. I want more humans creating things. I don't want robots and AI creating more and more because it puts us in a position where fewer and fewer people work and do jobs. I hate it. I hate this for Sports Illustrated. Yeah. A once proud institution is now just writing the names of two teams and putting a date in, and uh, artificial intelligence is writing a story for it. I, I hate it. Chat GPT I hate it so much. and open AI. Uh, you can read about these chat bots and what they do for exams or uh, pinning a speech for a congressman. It's now at outkick.com right now uh, through the uh, piece from Mark Harris. Baltimore Orioles, Chad, my Orioles. Your Orioles. They, they're not, not a lot of good news for your Orioles. They're not in selling tickets to, uh, to Camden Yards for a baseball game, so they're more concerned with selling tickets to concerts. That's the priority. Events over baseball. And in fact, you've got the you know, ownership group that's saying it's not even their job to worry about you know, how much they're spending on the roster. Here's an idea, if you're the Baltimore Orioles. We had Kurt Schilling on yesterday. Roughly 500 up, last year. He brought up the Orioles, said, hey, they're on the rise, right? They've got some good young players. They'll trade them. They did well. Absolutely, they will. They'll trade them. Um, how about just field a better product, pay a little more, have a good farm system. Don't deal your guys away. Have a winning team. Go over right. five, you know, round five. Let's go over 500. Let's get in the playoff push into September. Let's be relevant for longer in the season. Let's be good to our fans. Let's be good to our home market in Baltimore, the surrounding area. And let's see if we sell some more tickets. I don't know. Novel idea. I get it, right? You can worry about selling concert tickets all you want, but just spend the money and invest or try to win and don't get rid of all of your young talent and see if people come back to the ballpark. And maybe, just maybe, a very proud fan base, historically, will come back. Let's try that out for a, a change. It's a, it's just a, change it up. It's a baseball club that's saying that baseball is not the priority. Yeah, just when you change have it up. John Angelos and you know all the details there where the He's Orioles, running the, the organization. Low, yeah, the, the low payroll... By the way, John's got a home here in the Nashville area. Uh, it says the 2022 team overachieved and then added, it's not my job to predict payroll. And then he listed his priorities for the, for the club, for Camden Yards, and baseball was down on the list. 
the product itself. It's so sad because Camden Yards, when it was built, marked the return to old-time baseball parks in the downtown heart of a city. It was the crown jewel of Major League Baseball. It was Camden Yards that sparked all these other great downtown ballparks. Jacobs Field in Cleveland, PNC Park in Pittsburgh now. All these places that migrated to a more baseball-y park. And it looks great, and it's a better fan experience and all that. It was the Baltimore Orioles and Camden Yards that did that. And now we've got the owner saying, I'm more concerned about um, a Spice Girls reunion coming to Camden Yards in June when the Orioles are on a West Coast swing than I am the Baltimore Orioles being good. Pathetic. Yeah, it's more, Absolutely it's more about generating just top dollar revenue on anything that could be in that facility than it is actually producing the product for which your team is named and competes against. And as I say that, I'm kind so, of psyched to go to a Spice Girls reunion concert you know, if it, that's actually happening. What do you think that you think it'd be better or worse? Are they do they need a reunion or are they still together? I don't even know. Maybe they never went Uh, away and I just didn't know about it. They just get together annually for a small tour. No, we would know about that. Will they hit Camden Yards? Hutton, with your connections with the Orioles, could we get Spice Girls tickets? The Orioles have a standing invite because Hutton years ago put it on the open market. He didn't have a major league baseball team. Yeah. And on our old radio show, you put it out there. That you're a free agent. I didn't, you're I, on I a radio wrote, show. I wrote an individual letter you to all You wrote letters 30. to everyone. Yeah. But I'm saying you put it out there to every team. Yep. And what? how many teams came back? Eight, Seven? Eight of them responded to me. And then some got more involved than others. The Orioles got really involved with trying to recruit you to be a yeah. fan. Yeah, the Orioles tried to get Which makes me like them. They're now my American League team simply because of the way they, they, they treated you. They offered to move me to Baltimore. Well, they've offered every year to bring us up to a, a game yeah. that we could do the show basically from the dugout if we wanted to. I mean, look. Uh, Center we, field. It could we matter. get to a Spice Girls concert? Probably not, based on Angelos's priorities. But could we do our show from the first base dugout for an Orioles game? Yeah, maybe. As long, as long as we bring Brooks and Dunn with us, bring Kicks Brooks with us to put a concert on. I mean, I think we should make this happen. We got the Nashville connections. We've got your connections to the Orioles. Let's go up there and do this. Never been to a game at uh, at Camden Yards. I've walked past the outfield where they like have spots where balls have hit home run balls. As you walk that path to go to, was it M&T Bank Stadium? Yep. Where the Ravens play? So I've gone through there, walked through that little corridor to get to the football stadium, but never seen a game now, from Camden Yards. So we got to change that. For the record, uh, Manny Machado, this was the year before he was traded. He's crushing it. Crush Davis. Chris Davis was actually hitting the baseball then. They had decent pitching. They had young talent. And then they traded everyone. Buck Showalter was out. They traded everyone. I, I still enjoy keeping up with it. They, they were actually very fun to watch last year. They won 80-plus games. But this is, this is kind of the same scenario you see in, like, sales. You've got a sales team. And when you overachieve, when you go above and beyond what you're supposed to do, when you meet the mark, that's the new bar to reach for the following month. And so when you have – I see John Angelo saying, well, this team – they shocked everyone. They overachieved. Now it's like, oh, we'll just go cheap again because we can just repeat this and we'll still be in playoff contention in August. That's what I hate. It's also all about margins. You know, the cost of like setting up a concert and what you get in profit is probably way more sustainable and profitable for uh, the business owners. So they're now they're really pushing that with their sales team. Like we're really looking into more yep. concerts because we make more money off that, which kills me. But it's very much just a billionaire or super millionaire's mindset 
Uh, they won't even waste time on doing something unless it's a 20x return on investment. And even if you're going to make a lot of money doing something, it's not worth their time if it's not X amount in doing yeah, the so. business of it. I, I abide by the, if I'm going to make money off of it as opposing to not making money off not doing it, then I probably want to do the thing that makes money, right? But it's like, no, that doesn't make enough money. Even though you're creating revenue out of nowhere and making money for the company, it doesn't make enough money for us. So we want to go to things that make more. This is what Angelos is doing with the Orioles. You know, we, we're spending so much on the baseball team and we don't get enough ticket revenue. And based on the tickets we sell, it's only this much profit because the team and the valuation. Da, 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 da. And then he goes into the, the concert business and says, but if we get Brooks and Dunn here and we sell out half of Camden Yards for that even, we make 10x based on investment. Sad. Guaranteed millions either way. That's the truth of, of the business person. I just explained business to everyone on the show. By the way, that, ladies and gentlemen, is business at the highest levels. Chad will explain cryptocurrency when we return. Yes, I've got a full thesis prepared on it cryptocurrency. Takes it takes and uh, we'll get back into our AI discussion, and Hutton will explain artificial intelligence. That's on tomorrow's I will have Outkick the bot 360. write an essay on artificial intelligence. And robotics. You'll also explain that. Anything you and, want. And uh, tomorrow, Davey will explain Westworld, the series, to us also. Speaking of robots, start to finish, what exactly was going on, We'll have all of these things for you. We'll try to explain OnlyFans and what this guy was doing uh, with fake accounts. I can explain OnlyFans in about 10 seconds. That's the next one. I'll get 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Six of the Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow, wrapping up what's been a fun show. Chad, uh, there's a guy who's admitted to subscribing to his mom's OnlyFans account <laughs> using multiple accounts of his own. Um, it was a secret until now. It, yeah. So, a <laughs> couple questions. Go ahead. One, is it to keep tabs on his mom? Because he just wants to know what she's up to? Or is there uh, a more deviant reason that he's subscribing to her OnlyFans account? I mean, it sounds like one of those stepmom. Uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, I deals. guess I might understand if it's like, oh, well, mom is, uh, my mom's at it again. And all my friends in high school are on her OnlyFans account. I better see what she's up to no, there was, to make sure she's not harming herself. There's some anyway. account where you like can confess something that. You know, you've been holding secret, and this guy was just like, "I've." It just starts by saying, "I've been subscribed to my my mom's OnlyFans for the past eighteen months." That's uh, that tells me he's doing it for the uh, the wrong reason. Does it have info on the mom? <laughs> this is the OnlyFans account, or is this just someone just saying it, not get offering? I don't know details? if the link was provided here. Uh, yeah, I Said, need to see the uh, the account now. <laughs> we need to do further research. 
Yeah. Someone, hey, Maddie, uh, you're on OnlyFans. Maybe go ahead uh, and follow this woman so we can do further research on what's happening. Now, part of the excuse was account. the the account was not followed by many people, and she was hard up for money. So he was trying to um, help the morale of the the mother. Oh my gosh. By having so many subscribers. So he's. But you would still have to log on and see the content, which is. I mean, who knows what but it was? In but in doing I, that, so why would it be a secret? First off, that's kind of sweet that you know he wants his mom not to feel bad about herself. <laughs> very caring that he's got all these fake very accounts and, and he's making sure that she feels loved and yes. wanted by people yeah, on OnlyFans. Very fans. affectionate. But in doing this, you're also <laughs> encouraging your own mother to continue with her OnlyFans career, which seems self-defeating to me. So again, the only possible reason that I wouldn't completely mock this. If it's like, you know, okay. mom's on the junk again, and I've got to make sure she's not harming herself with what she's putting out on OnlyFans or hurting her career opportunities. So I got to check in from time to time to make sure that it's on the up and up so she doesn't hurt herself in some way. But I don't think that's what we're dealing with here. No. So no, he, he claims this brings that, up a whole lot of other issues. He claims that the, he hasn't he's, he knows there are videos on there, but he doesn't say if he's watched them or not. I mean, I think the Look, implication I'm a, is... I'm a business expert, as we found out in the last segment. Right. I'm not a shrink. Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist. This person needs a psychiatrist, and I don't know that I can help them. I do not, Chad, unfortunately, have an OnlyFans account that you can help boost I subscribers don't to. I, I do not have an OnlyFans account. Matt is going to get on it, on his account. He's no, going to let us know uh, no about this for one. Me. We're going to do a deep dive. We're going to find out. Maybe we'll get the son on the show and ask him what he's up to. No. no you the want, mom. With the mom? Yeah. yeah. How does she feel about her son? Do you feel loved? Do you feel seen? Excuse me, <laughs> wow. ma'am. Do you, do you feel seen by your son now, finally? Chances are, if you're on the site, you don't care, though, right? Are you both heard and seen on this OnlyFans account? Back at it tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.